a few simple checkboxes during the shoot and you'll be more organised than you ever thought possible and to have a head start on editing thanks to LumberjackSystem.com. When we last left our heroes, they were locked into a terribly important discussion. Let's drop in on them again as they plot the future. Now from the Top Dog's Kennel in beautiful downtown Burbank, it's the Terrence and Philip Show. Well, thank you, Gary. That's a great introduction. I'm Philip Hodgetts. And I'm Terrence Curran. And I may be a fraud. Yeah, and I am too, or might be. Wait, <laughs> and I may be one also. Yes. What we're talking about is a thing called imposter syndrome or fraud syndrome, and I've certainly been guilty of feeling that way for a large portion of my career. That, Same here. That somebody will tap me on the shoulder and say, you have no idea what you're talking about, you're a complete absolute fraud, and I just collapse into a heap and go, yeah, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, exactly. But I should point out that you were just reading the definition out earlier, and it does tend to apply to high-performing individuals. Yes, they say uh, it's a concept describing high-achieving individuals who are marked by an inability to internalize their accomplishments and a persistent fear of being exposed as a fraud. And that's, yeah, that's it. That's the one right there. And it's probably because people who are higher-achieving, maybe a bit smarter than average, are forever second-guessing themselves, forever thinking about how they could do something better, forever wanting to be better. Oh, I'm my own worst critic. Yeah, so that seems to me, whereas people who are less inquisitive, (laughs) I'm trying to dance around saying stupid. (laughs) But stupid people are really confident about their opinion. (laughs) Stupid people are really confident about their opinion. (laughs) Yeah, well, yes, there you go, yes. I I do find, in general, this is generalization, there seems to be an inverse rule with that. You know, the more certain somebody is of their opinion, sometimes the less research they've done, let's put it that way. Yeah, and one of the reasons why I think it's always plagued me, and may apply to you too, is because we, I've been always trying to push myself into new areas, Mm -hmm. you know, leverage the whatever fame or recognition that I've had to push into another new area. And so as you go into a new area, you are less certain of the knowledge of that area. (laughs) Yes. And so even though you may be leading the pack, you still are in an area where you don't really know a lot more than the pack, but you just know a little bit more. And that's where I think it's easy to become uncertain about really what you do know. Well, yes, and the fear that somebody is going to come along and, as you say, expose you. There's a number of levels of this, but I think the reason that it's more prevalent in our industry is probably because when you get into the creative realm, oftentimes there is no right or wrong. Mm -mm. And so, I mean, I feel it when I have a new client that I haven't colored with before. I'm always worried, okay, what's this going to be like? You know, Because that first session, you're always kind of worried. Are they going to like the color or are they going to just, you know, say, oh, I hate all of it or I have a totally different idea or whatever? I don't know. Again, there's no right or wrong, but there's definitely disconnects that can happen. Now, how often has that happened to me? Probably not in 20 years, but it doesn't matter. It's still there. It's something that it's hard to get past. So that's the subjective side of it you know it's the same thing in an edit when you do an edit and the director's going to come into view you know there's is he going to be happy with it is he going to find things to change just because i don't know whatever so that's certainly one part but i know when i was teaching uh, i taught editing classes years ago when i was going in every time i would be up there in front of the class and i I would just be waiting for the students to you know bust me for not being a a teacher you know on the other hand i had had the opposite experience when i started teaching people was when i realized that i actually did know some stuff Mm -hmm. because being entirely self-taught 
The only, only formal training I've had was one year at university and I sacked the university after that because basically they didn't have anyone that could teach me anything. Mm-hmm. And having done fairly well in the first year, I should point out, it wasn't for lack of success. But because I hadn't been taught, so I didn't have any formal qualifications that, that could demonstrate where my knowledge level was compared with other people, mm-hmm. I was only comparing with myself and, heck, I learned it pretty easy, so everyone must know this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you realise that, no, really smart people don't know this stuff. They don't know to move the camera 30 degrees between shots, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Something that's bitten a friend of mine just recently. Because you know? mm-hmm. two people were experienced cameramen but they don't know some basics there are issues like that that you realize that after a while you do know some things but every time we go into a new area when we go into software and you know start to talk about you know, particularly me with software because i am the fraud i design the software but i don't uh-huh. know how the code works right, right. <laughs> and i mean i my parsing of an xml file is crude and basic at best so mm-hmm. there is a level where, where people expect me to know how the app works oh yeah in more than the general terms that i do and i think one of the things i've always been clear about is what i know what i know mm-hmm. and i know i know what i don't know and i don't try and bullshit on the stuff i don't know Whereas I think that's where you start to get into these areas where you become the fraud that we, yes. we fear that we are. Yeah, because how many of those have you busted in the past, you know? Yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe not outed them, but certainly in your mind you go, oh, okay, this guy's full of it. Well, back yeah. to, to my university example, the very first, you know, Video 101 class I was in for the first week of school and 10 minutes into that class I said, well, am I going to expose this guy as the complete and absolute fraud that he is? Mm-hmm. Or will I just for the moment go around and hang around with my buddies who are in the control room because I knew the guys that worked in pre-video production at the university mm-hmm. and have a quiet talk to the head of the department afterwards? And I never went back to that class, but I got a pass. <laughs> 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 because exposing the teacher as a fraud, he, yes. his big qualification was a video poet. A a visual, sorry, visual poet. Oh, a visual poet. Okay. Yeah, it's like you, you put horizon, you cut it off halfway to make a fake horizon. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. And he was, <laughs> he was teaching video 101, and, and the professor in that area hadn't worked in the industry for over 20 years, so you can imagine how current his knowledge was. Yeah. I've exp- yeah. So yes. they were frauds, <laughs> and having run into those people, I wonder why we still fear that we are imposters? I, I, that's a good question. I know for myself, often, it, I, I, I guess my biggest fear, aside from the like, the, like I said, the subjective part, but in the knowledge area, is something that I don't know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That I'm going to get caught up with or something, you know. It's like things that I do know, I'm, I'm completely confident. I'm willing to debate a point or whatever on the knowledge that I have, but I'm always afraid that I'm going to get ask something or somebody's going to know more and say, well, you don't know this or, you know, something along those lines because it's impossible to know everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're supposed to be experts in our particular fields and it's really difficult to do. So, for instance, well, somebody you, comes in and the client asks about ACEs and I can give them a cursory overview of ACEs, but I'm by far no super expert on working in, with ACEs. There's not a lot of them around. There's a couple that, you know, there's, there's some that talk a lot (laughs) but there's not a lot that really are experts on it it hasn't been made user friendly enough to really get penetration yet Mm -hmm. but something like that if you know i'm concerned that i'm going to get caught not knowing something that i'm supposed to know for some reason so that's part i've just always been of the opinion when something comes up that i don't know i just cop to it straight away it's like actually i don't know about that you should talk to somebody who knows about it or let me go and do some research and get back to you. And even even with, you know... That's, uh, yeah, that's, what I, that's basically what you have to do. Yeah, because yeah. if you don't do that, you are really setting yourself up to be perceived as an imposter. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I come to Editor's Lounge, and yep. I come to Editor's Lounge with a very different background mm-hmm. than most people who come to Editor's Lounge. And so a lot of the time, I just don't know stuff that people are talking about. Mm-hmm. And I cop to not knowing about it. It's like, I don't work in that part of the industry. You know, Sync and Link, one of our better selling products for mm-hmm. both old and new Final Cut. I have never shot double system sound with timecode. Mm-hmm. Yet, you know, it's a product that people use a lot, but people not like me. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas Lumberjack was made for me, so. So you're fine with that. If they expect you to be an expert on shooting with double system sound, you can go, no, we designed how you guys can link it together. Yeah. But that's not my area. No. So, but if they come up to you and start asking you questions about how you can link stuff together or what, you know, what way, how do you automate it, et cetera, et cetera. Because you can answer those questions, you're comfortable about it. But what if you had an area in there you weren't really sure about? And, you know, that's where I think people yeah. get into the, the fear of of getting – I guess because, again, you know what? It's the it's back to the high-achieving individual part, yeah. right? It's I expect to be able to answer anybody's question. Yeah, yeah. And so if I can't, that really sucks. And, uh, you know, my fear is I'm going to get caught not being able to answer the question. My fear is not being – able to answer all the questions mm-hmm. you know if people asked five questions and every one of them in a row was something i knew nothing about yes. that would worry me a lot yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't so. happened yet so i don't know why i keep getting up getting concerned about doesn't it doesn't matter it's, it's still there you know it does it's not rational no no and i think that's the important thing is that this imposter syndrome is not something that's rational right a lot of the time that i felt like that I was helping people every day of being able to share yes. knowledge, yeah. make stuff that worked for people, you know. Mm-hmm. And, yes, it's nice to get those positive feedback. But, of course, you know, in the software business, you hear 90% negative, all the things that right. times it doesn't work. And very few people bother to tell you that it worked really well for them. <laughs> yeah. So if you want a team that really cares about your project, no matter how big or small, and you want to make your project look and sound better, come on and check out alphadogs.tv. So, it's just a self-confidence thing, I think. It's, it's, it's an awareness of, of where you fit and that your knowledge is valuable. And I'm not sure how I graduated from that imposter syndrome position to a point now where I feel, at least on most of what I do, I'm confident in my knowledge and confident that I'm not a fraud. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I could say that in the areas that I'm looking into new and fresh, well, I still feel a little bit like a fraud, mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit like an imposter because I'm, I'm talking a game beyond where my experience is right now. Yes. But it will be where our experience is in in a few months. So Yeah, it would be like trying to uh, talk about physics or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my brain hurts. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just, I'm looking at this because it has three suggested ways to overcome imposter syndrome. Oh, okay. So the first one is flip the script. Everyone has an inner critic. It's that small nagging voice that likes to remind us of all the ways we have failed and will continue to fail for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. So... Their suggestion is to flip that around and go talk about all the things that you've done, mm-hmm. all of the things you've accomplished, et cetera, which is kind of what you're doing very comfortably here right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing is to compare fairly. It's so typical. It's become a cliche. We tend to look at other people's accomplishments as evidence that they are smarter, harder working, and more talented than we are while simultaneously downplaying or ignoring our own successes. This is an area I am extremely mm. guilty of. Because I, you know, I, I look at other people who you're seeing a snippet of somebody else when they do a yeah. presentation, right? So HPA Tech Retreat is an example of where each presentation, it's like the TED Talks of our industry. Each presentation, I just go, oh, my God, that person's so smart, and it makes me feel like I'm not by comparison. However, I've done presentations in the past, and people come up and tell me how smart I was. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was, was going to say, so how was it when I was up on a panel at HPA? <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> well, that was good because I, could, I actually interacted with yeah. you on that panel. You're the only person I've interacted with at ACPA because normally I would be, you know, well, I, who am I to? Yeah, you're too intimidated by. Exactly. Chris, you know me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, know, you know I'm talking crap. <laughs> No, actually, I thought I contributed to that panel fairly well. I didn't, yeah, no, I didn't feel was, I was a fraud. No, that was that, and it was really well done. You know, and, and it's it's interesting. I, well, I talked to somebody recently. I can't mention names, but I talked to somebody recently, another owner of a post house in town, who um, basically merged with a larger company. And his take was, you know, he thought when they merged with a larger company that, you know, there would be people there who really know what's going on and they'll make things better and da 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 da. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, nah, it ain't true. Nobody knows more. I mean, it's just, you know, you psych yourself into this, oh, well, there's special people out there who are really smart. No. I mean, even somebody like a Steve Jobs, okay, he had, you know, great things came out of Apple when, when mm-hmm. he was in charge. But if you really look at the actual entirety of him as a person, it's not something any one of us couldn't have done, you know? No. Get the background in design and be persistent. <laughs> yeah, know? and be a really lousy parent and focus only on the exactly. one part of your life. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Until later in life, apparently he improved with the second family. But So I guess it goes back to the old thing of everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time. Yeah, yeah. But it's easy to fall into this trap, especially, like I said, for me, this part does the comparing fairly. Okay, third one. Feel it, let it go, move on. Experts disagree on exactly why fraud syndrome exists, but it's thought to be exacerbated by blending perfectionism with high-pressure scenarios in which we are expected to perform for a subjective audience. There's the color correction part. Of yeah, <laughs> I was thinking performance and the singing. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Yeah, the same thing. It's subjective. So, yes, it's high pressure um, when somebody's coming in and they're spending a lot of money to sit down yeah, with yeah. you and you know edit or color correct or whatever, you know, whatever your particular thing, sing, perform for them, whatever it is. Yeah, there's an incredible amount of pressure to deliver the best and to not let them down, but it's subjective, which is the hard part. And and perfection gets in the way of good. Yes, you I know, agree. It's just, you know, the perfection is the enemy of the great or the good. Because if you strive for perfection all the time, you'll become so despondent that you won't get it. Yes. That you avoid trying anything. <laughs> and so it's more, I think it's, uh, a really odd adage is, uh, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing badly. Yeah. No, normally we flip that. You know, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. It's the, the way that it normally would. But if it's worth doing and you can only do it badly, it's still worth doing, even yeah. if it's only badly. But if you, if you wouldn't do it until you could do it perfectly, well, nobody's ever getting any benefit at all from that ever. So it's not worth doing then. So, so, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, it, well, you're not going to get the benefit of having done it, whatever, right. you know, whatever benefit you were looking for from doing this thing if you don't do it at all. You know, if you, don't ever, if you, don't, if you go to a gym and do it badly, and, and if singing, if you start singing later in life like I did, mm-hmm. look, there were three months of almost daily practice before Greg said I showed any improvement at all. <laughs> He's a martyr. He's a total and absolute martyr. And, you know, and three years in, I'm starting to feel, yeah, I, I have my days. I can sing better on some days than others. And You, you know. never noticed the flesh-colored earplugs, huh? <laughs> no, I didn't notice the double-closed doors. <laughs> uh, although these days he can fall asleep while I'm doing singing practice, so I can't be that bad anymore. But it was really, it was, it was a year before, you know, any worthwhile improvement came mm-hmm. out of that, so... I think I put it in a blog post. You're never going to learn anything if you're not prepared to suck. Oh, yeah. You know, that's interesting because it's very appropriate to our industry, a a discussion in our industry. Um, This goes all the way back to 
film school, there is that perfection drive, right? Where you mm-hmm. go, you're visioning it. I know this is what I want to do. Da, da, da. And I just became the guy who said, fucking, I'm just going to go do it. And, you know, whatever. I mean, yeah, it's not, it's never going to, I'm never going to be happy with it, <laughs> but I would do it. And so I got a lot of stuff done. But most of my friends in film school, we're always waiting to get, you know, yeah. everything has to be right. Yeah. I gotta have the right person, gotta yeah. have the right location, gotta have the right this, gotta have the right that, da 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 da. And all these years later, and they still haven't done anything, you know? So I think I fall right into what you're talking about. I was willing to do it badly because I wanted to do it. Yeah. And I know it's never gonna be perfect, but I've read interviews with top notch filmmakers, you know, Spielberg, for example, who will talk about. Every time he watches any of his old movies, how, you know, he still sees, all he sees is the yeah. mistakes. Yeah. You know, and there's no way around that. I mean, you're going to have them. It's just, it's not possible to make a feature perfect because there's too many variables. The most important thing is not to tell anyone else what you're seeing. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> because they're not seeing it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they have the full enjoyment of the movie without having to put up with all the imperfections that you see. Mm-hmm. The, other, the flip side of that, though, is the number of times that I finish something and go, Oh, floor, 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 but client deadline, it's got to ship now. Right. And budget. Yes. Uh, and then three or six months later, you go back and say, oh, that's nowhere near as bad as yes. I remembered it being yes. when I finished yes. it. <laughs> yeah, yes. Time is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the little perspective on your work helps you improve yeah. and see how it, it's not as bad as you you think it is when you concentrate on every single floor. Mm-hmm. And if we're concentrating on every single floor, then we're not going to recognize all the things that we do well and maybe that's what causes this imposter syndrome because if we're not if yes. we're not yeah. consciously recognizing yeah. what we do well and saying oh this this project sucked because you know that little bit of audio is bad which i needed more light in that corner and yeah we're not validating ourselves for what we did do no it's like we're tearing down what we didn't do right and 90% of that was still fine you know yeah. all but that one bit of audio was great all but the lighting on everything else is fine everyone can still be seen yeah <laughs> So it is a self-undermining if we focus on what we've not done right. Like, you know, back to the singing because it's a reasonably good analogy. You know, I realised that with the Lancelot performance, that I, which is available online, you can find it, <laughs> <laughs> which is not a perfectly sung song, but it was entertaining. And I realised you don't have to be perfect to be entertaining. So mm-hmm. you don't have to be perfect on your film to be entertaining or to move emotion. You can still do all of these things that we want to achieve in our, our creative life, even if you're not perfect, even if there are flaws that you can see and you tend to focus on the flaws. I look at the performance and focus on that note's not right, that's just a little under, that mm-hmm. one's not right. And the audience are just laughing. The audience is having a great time. Right. And they're not really critiquing. They're that's true. just enjoying the performance and the whole effect that it's having on them. But that doesn't keep us from going there ourselves. No. And, and that's part of why we're driven. That's why we're in this industry probably, et cetera, et cetera, is because of that, that drive for that perfection, the drive to put the show on properly, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember taking dancing lessons with my wife because a friend of ours was getting married and they were going to have a waltz. And so we had to learn the waltz, you know? So it was like, and the best piece of information I got from the instructor, which ties in directly with what you were just talking about, is those people watching you dance are not paying attention to, you know, where your feet are or what mistakes you make because they don't know. They're just, <laughs> he, said, I, he said, I can watch professional dancers, and if I want to critique them, I can find mistakes. Everybody makes yeah, mistakes, yeah. right? But the audience watching are not. But when you're up there, yeah. you know, you're focused on, did I, oh, I know, I screwed that one up. Oh, I did that, you know. It took me the longest time to not point out all these flaws to the client when I was doing a client preview. Oh, yeah. Because they were bugging the hell out of me. 
Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have noticed them if I hadn't pointed that out. So, mm-hmm. you know, we get better. We learn. We use the feedback. We, we were aware of the things. Yes. But we should use that to improve, not to beat ourselves up. Yeah, and that's the key is how to keep the drive to improve yourself and to add to your tool set those, you know, the experience from those things, but without invalidating yourself. Well, yeah. To kind of wrap it up, we probably just have to say focus on the fact that you do do th- most of what you do, you do well. Mm-hmm. Don't beat yourself up about what you don't do well, but use that to step forward to make it better. There you go. That is a good wrap-up. Yeah, okay, so <laughs> wrap it up. If you want to make your project better, then bring it to Alpha Dogs and get your sounds singing and your pictures perfect. Thank you so much. If you want to smooth out your workflow, translate between Final Cut Pro 10 and Premiere Pro or even legacy Final Cut Pro, or want to synchronize multiple sources at once based on timecode, or do the sort of reporting that everybody has to do, then head over to assistedediting.com or intelligentassistance.com.